remember me? My name is Audie Elmore. This is the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Long-awaited episode number 116. Haven't been here since December the 15th. Let me let me give you a peek into my life for a second. Because it's been kind of crazy over the past couple of months. And uh, I appreciate all those who verbally abuse me when I don't post a podcast. That that keeps me going. I appreciate that. Um, so uh, some some circumstances have happened at my workplace that require me to work pretty much every day. And that also requires me to get up very early in the morning, uh, about 4 o'clock every morning. And, and I pressed the wrong button right there. That's great. New studios, by the way. So that's going to be part of this as we uh, get into it. But welcome back, neither here nor there. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Podcast. I'm Audie Elmore. I get up, you know, really early, like every day. And so this obviously makes me really tired. And when I'm tired and, and I'm trying to prioritize my mental health and my physical health, and I have an insane workload, then obviously some things get cut out, such as, and not limited to, um, uh, the, the Ball Don't Lie podcast, as sad as that is to admit. So when that's the case, um, you know, I, I, it's unfortunate, but other things take precedent. But I am uh, I'm excited about the fact that so many people seem to care and look forward to this podcast every week to the point that I hear about it a lot. So I appreciate those of you who have asked me and requested me make a podcast. I'm finding time to do it. I might have to adjust my schedule, figure out what works best for me. Um, but, you know, when there's few hours in the day because I have to go to bed so early, or at least I, I do that so that I can at least be well-rested and, and such like that, it means that, that these things happen. So I don't know. Hopefully within the next month, things return to normal. I am not required to be up all the time, but hopefully, you know, that 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 does happen and I don't have to worry about it. Either way, neither here nor there. We are here right now and the Cincinnati Bengals are AFC North champions. As you may have guessed, that's going to be what we talk about for the better part of this podcast. And I'm looking at a screen right now watching NFL Network, watching Jamar Chase run 72 yards down the football field for a Bengals touchdown that 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 just really gave life to Paul Brown Stadium in one of the funnest best atmospheres I've been at at Paul Brown Stadium in my 26 years on planet Earth in a game that had eerily similar circumstances to 2009 when the Bengals clinched the AFC North against the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, John Madden passed away. Uh, the AFC playoffs are basically set. Dan Reeves has passed away. Betty White has gone on. It's a new year. So much has happened. Since the last time we spoke, I never expected the Bengals to be where they are now. I never expected a, a, a vast portion of the NFL to be where they are now. And I'm going to start with the NFL. I'm going to tell you what happened in Week 17, look ahead to the playoffs and, playoffs and give you kind of what I think is going to happen. If you're new here, if you're just stumbling upon this, Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. Hoping to get to 2,000, almost said 200, 2,000 Twitter followers, hopefully. Um, I'm going to say by the 4th of July, that's only about 270 followers. So if we can get 270 followers, that would be big. 
working on that. Uh, so if you if, if you follow me, great. If you don't, make that happen, please. And thank you. You can also do it on Instagram, at Audie Elmore. So let's take a look at what happened week 17 in the NFL. And there's been some moving and shaking since the last time we spoke. There are some surprises. There are some things that really make you raise the eyebrows about what you've seen in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington football team 20-16 to on Sunday. The Eagles are 9-7, and and they've clinched a playoff berth with a rookie head coach in Nick Sirianni, with uh, Jalen Hurts at quarterback, who, let's be honest, is not an, a prolific passer by any means, with basically a refusal to pass the ball in general. They run the ball and they play defense, and they've snuck into the playoffs, the second team, the second team out of the NFC East to do so. The Los Angeles Rams are 12 and 4. They uh they beat the Baltimore Ravens 20 to 19 on Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium. The Ravens are 8 and 8. This loss helped the Bengals clinch the AFC North. The Bengals disposed of the Ravens twice this year. Cooper Cup is having an unbelievable season. He passed Isaac Bruce for the most receiving yards in a single season in Rams history. He has 1829 of those yards. It was. It's almost guaranteed, assuming he plays on Sunday, that he will pass Calvin Johnson for the most receiving yards in a single season in NFL history now, given he is playing an extra game in this 18-game uh, season. 17-game season, I should say. Buccaneers over the Jets, 28-24. to I will talk about Antonio Brown and what my thoughts are about him and, and kind of something that's actually still going on in that entire situation. The Bucs are 12-4. and four. The Jets fall to 4-12. and 12. They gave the Buccaneers a really good run for their money. Tampa now has 12 wins in a season. That's only the second time they've done that. The last was in 2002. They won the Super Bowl that year. Tennessee Titans all over the Miami Dolphins, ending their win streak 34-3. The Titans clinched the AFC South for the second consecutive season. Entering play today, today being a Tuesday, which they're not playing today, the Titans are the number one seed in the AFC. We'll talk about the seeding more moving on. The Patriots over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 50-10. to Jacksonville's 2-14. New England goes to 10-6. They've clinched a playoff berth. And thank God the Jacksonville Jaguars have fired Urban Meyer because he was really holding that team back from reaching their full potential. People are soft. I'm finding myself defending Urban Meyer again. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Raiders over the Colts, 23-20. Both of these teams are 9-7. and seven. Jonathan Taylor uh, with a nice game now has 1,734 rushing yards, surpassing Edron James for the most rushing yards in a season in Indianapolis history. We'll talk about the Raiders a little bit moving forward because they have a very interesting scenario in Week 18. We'll get to the Chiefs and the Bengals in a bit. The Bears over the Giants, 29-3. Robert Quinn has 18 sacks this year. He passes Richard Dent for the most sacks among Chicago Bears players in a single season since 1982. The Giants are 4-12. They stink. Falcons fall to the Bills, 29-15. Buffalo's 10-6. The Falcons are 7-9. Buffalo's won three straight, excuse me, has three straight 10-win seasons for the first time since the mid-90s. 49ers over the Texans, 23-7. Elijah Mitchell has uh, surpassed V. Washington, who's at Vernon, Washington. I can't even think of who that might be for the most rush yards by a rookie in San Francisco history. The Texans are 4-12. They stink. Broncos fall to the Chargers, 34-13. Justin Herbert throws 35 touchdown passes. That surpasses 
Uh, Phillip Rivers mark for the most passing touchdowns in a season in Chargers history. The Chargers are 9-7. and seven. They are on the bubble of a playoff seat. The Broncos have been eliminated. Panthers and the Saints. Saints win 18-10. Carolina's lost 11 of their last 13 games. Seahawks over the Lions 51-29. Seattle is 6-10. The Lions are 2-13-1. Russell Wilson has, Wilson has tied Peyton Manning uh, with uh, 112 wins, the most by a quarterback in his first 10 seasons since 1950. That includes the playoffs. Cowboys fall to the Cardinals 25-22. Both of these teams are 11-5. Arizona has won six of their last seven against Dallas. Packers over the Vikings 37-10. Might be the last game coming up this week for Mike Zimmer as the Vikings head coach. Green Bay is 13-3. They have clinched the number one overall seed in the NFC and home field advantage at Lambeau Field throughout the um, duration of the NFC playoffs. Uh, They are, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL. Steelers over the Browns last night, Monday Night Football. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. Ben Roethlisberger, his final home game at Heinz Field. Najee Harris, the rookie running back, surpassed Franco Harris for the most rush yards by a rookie in Pittsburgh history. Franco Harris had 1,055 in 1972. The Steelers, believe it or not, are still alive. They are 8-7-1. Mike Tomlin, with that win last night, clinches what is – never clinches the fact that he has never had a losing season in 15 years as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. It's uh, extremely, extremely impressive. So let's get into it. The Chiefs and the Bengals. That was the big game of the day for a lot of people. Obviously, for for many of the folks that listen to this particular podcast, that's the game that matters. And the Bengals beat the Chiefs 34-31 to if you've been living under a rock. They were led by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow has thrown for 971 yards and eight touchdowns with no interceptions in the last two games. That's the greatest two-game total in NFL history. He's 30 for 39 on Sunday, 446 yards and four touchdowns. 11 of those completions went to Jamar Chase for 266 of those 446 yards and three of the four touchdowns. This duo has been unbelievable this season. And they have led the Bengals to an AFC North championship. The AFC North, which is the toughest division in football. The Cleveland Browns were eliminated when the Chargers won on Sunday afternoon. But the the Browns were in it until week 17. The Ravens are still in it. The Steelers are still in it. The Bengals beat both of those times, both of those teams twice each. The Bengals are actually kind of good, and it's kind of surprising. I didn't expect this. More about the Bengals in a moment. But let's talk about how things are looking in the AFC and NFC playoff pictures. Because that, I think, is, is the most interesting part of it. Entering play in Week 18, the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed in the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs are two, the Bengals are three, Buffalo is four, and the Patriots are five. That means there are two spots remaining for the following teams. The Colts, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Ravens. Those are some good football teams. If you're wondering about how the Bengals have fared against those teams, they beat Baltimore twice, they beat Pittsburgh twice, they beat the Las Vegas Raiders, they lost to the Chargers, and they haven't played the Colts. But as of now, the Colts and the Chargers own the last two spots in the AFC playoff picture. If you look over at the NFC, 
Packers are the one. The Rams are the two. Tampa is three. Dallas, four. Arizona, five. Philadelphia is the seven seed. And the six seed will come down to the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints. Philadelphia, no matter what, however, I believe is the seven seed. Not entirely sure how that is is looking, but whatever. They've all clinched playoff spots, which means there's one spot remaining, and it's going to go to either San Francisco or New Orleans. Think about this crazy scenario for a moment. The Raiders and the Chargers play the final game of the regular season on Sunday Night Football this week. If that game were to tie, the Raiders and the Chargers, if they were to tie, both of those teams would be in the AFC playoffs and the Colts would be eliminated. Now, what do you think would happen if those two teams agreed at the coin toss, we're going to go kneel the ball down 25 times each and we're not going to hurt ourselves and we're going to see each other in the playoffs hopefully somewhere down the line, but we're, but we're both getting in. How do you think the NFL would react to that? On Sunday night football? There's some people at 345 Park Avenue that would be fuming mad. But it would be kind of hilarious if they just agreed to kneel the game out and both get into the playoffs. That would be kind of saucy. I like the thought of it. Speaking of saucy and things I don't like the thought of, Antonio Brown. In the event that perhaps you've been living under a rock, Antonio Brown lost his marbles on the sideline for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday in New York against the Jets. He says that his ankle was sore, and Bruce Arians told him to go back into the game, and he said no. And then Bruce Arians told him to get out, and then he lost his mind, took off his jersey, took off his shoulder pads, threw him, threw his shirt and his wristband and his gloves and everything into the stands, and ran off the field, pumping up the crowd with excitement. Well, that this isn't new behavior for Antonio Brown, acting like a fool. And people have disputed the report that Antonio Brown had a bum ankle or that he said he had a bum ankle or that Bruce Arians told him to go into the game regardless. That has all been disputed. But the fact of the matter is we have yet another temper tantrum by Antonio Brown. This is the guy who blew up the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. This is the guy who quit on the Oakland Raiders. This is the guy who froze his feet off in a cryo chamber because he's an idiot. This is the guy who threw a temper tantrum with the NFL because he wasn't allowed to wear the helmet he wanted to wear due to safety precautions. And I think the fact of the matter is showing that this guy needed a better helmet because there's something seriously wrong with Antonio Brown. I haven't even brought up the fact, and I'm going to do it now, that he faked a vaccine card. There's been domestic issues at his home in Florida. He has farted. There's this video of him farting while his doctor is examining him and laughing and thinking it's hilarious. There are multiple stories of him not paying people for the jobs that he hires them to do. That's actually how the fake vaccine card got brought up to the NFL. Chef that he owed money snitched on him, caused an NFL investigation, and Brown got in trouble. 
He's been given about seven second chances because he's one of the most talented players in the history of the NFL. But if you look at him, you can legitimately tell that there's something wrong with him. Something's not right with him. There's some sort of mental issue happening. And I thought the biggest tell was what Tom Brady, his quarterback, and and someone who is a friend of Antonio Brown, said after the game when he was asked about it. This is uh, the greatest quarterback of of all time, Tom Brady, talking um, about Antonio Brown. It's um, obviously a a difficult situation, and, um, you know, I think we all want, you know, him to, to, you know, just think everybody should find, uh, you know, hopefully do what they can to help him in ways that, that, you know, he really needs it. And, um, you know, we all love him. We care about him deeply. Um, you know, we want to see him be at his best. And, you know, unfortunately, he won't be with our team. But, um, you know, we have a lot of friendships that, that will last. And, again, I think the most important thing about football are the relationships with their, your friends and your teammates. And they go beyond the field. And, um, you know, I think everyone should, should be very compassionate and empathetic toward, you know, um, some very difficult things that are happening. That's Tom Brady talking about Antonio Brown. And a couple things to, to note there. Number one, he said there's some very difficult things that are happening. I think Tom Brady knows and, and sees the writing on the wall that Antonio Brown is struggling with what appears to be mental illness. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to act like I know what's going on. But you can look at that dude and know that, that there are screws loose, that something is not right with Antonio Brown. The, the erratic behavior, the outburst, the, the need for attention. And, and Bruce Arians even said it, you know, he just can't help himself sometimes. I think that's what's happening with him. And it's sad. It really is sad because he is truly a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. One of the most exciting players to watch in the NFL. And he has just let himself and, and his family and his teams down over and over and over again. And I think Brady talking there kind of gives you a peek behind the curtain. And and another thing Brady said in that was, unfortunately, it's not going to be with our team. Everyone expected the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cut Antonio Brown Monday by the 4 o'clock deadline. They didn't. He's still technically a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He didn't fly home with the team on Sunday, caught his own way home. He was courtside at a basketball game on Monday night. No one has really heard from him on the record other than he says he's a gremlin, which, I mean, come on. So I was asked, you know, does does Antonio Brown play another down in the NFL? I I would think not. I, I get the sad feeling that the Antonio Brown story is going to have a really unfortunate end. I don't know what it's going to be, but it feels like he needs help so badly. He's so resistant to help that something bad is going to happen. But I think about somebody like Josh Gordon, who loves the devil's lettuce more than anybody on planet Earth, who was an addict. He has gotten 17,214 chances to play in the NFL because of his talent. Antonio Brown's gotten multiple chances. It wouldn't surprise me again if somebody takes another chance on him, if that's what Tampa is doing right now. If they're just going to wait it out, see if he comes back down to earth and see if they can use him in the playoffs because they need help. Chris Godwin's out for the season. They're banged up with injuries. But Bruce Arians said on Sunday he's no longer a buck, yet the team hasn't cut him yet. 
that dude has legitimate problems. And I honestly, for his sake, hope that, that they get fixed. Because that's not the way anybody should act. And it's certainly not the way a grown man should act in the NFL. And uh, it's quite honestly, it's sad. But we're going to stop talking about the sad stuff and start talking about the happy stuff. I'm sorry if my energy levels are a little low, but I'm just happy to be here and talking about the NFL and about the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals are uh, they're 10 and 6. They have a chance to finish out the season with a victory on Sunday in Cleveland. And they're going to be hosting a playoff game at Paul Brown Stadium in uh, in just under two weeks. That fires me up. We'll talk about the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the record-setting performance of Jamar Chase, all that and more coming up. You're listening to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Welcome back to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. I'm your host, Audio Moore, talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, the playoff-bound AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals. I think about this team. I think about where they were at over the course of the last two years. Six games they won in two years. Six games. Two and 14. Four and 11 and one or whatever the hell they were. Awful. Awful. Hard to watch. But that two and 14 season provided something called hope. And... Hope is a beautiful thing. It provided in the form of Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, who has provided hope to this city previously unseen. I have thought a lot in recent weeks about Carson Palmer and the Bengals when Carson came after the 2003 draft, Heisman Trophy winner, and you know he was going to be the savior to the franchise. And Carson took this team alongside Marvin Lewis, to a really, really good place. The Bengals were back because, in no short, you know, because of those two. And, you know, they have a nice run for a few seasons, and then it comes to an end because Carson Palmer has disagreements with management about how the team is to be run. And then here comes Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. Marvin Lewis gets a reboot. 2011, the Bengals come in. No one expects them to be good coming off of a terrible 2010 season. The Carson Palmer drama Palmer drama in the offseason. They've got this rookie wide receiver. They've got this rookie quarterback. No one expects them to be any good. They go 9-7. and seven. They make the playoffs in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015. Eventually, they don't make it in 2016 and 2017. Marvin Lewis gets fired. Zach Taylor comes in uh, after the 2018 season, takes over in 2019, goes 2-14. 2020, after drafting Joe Burrow, they win a, a couple of more games to go to four wins, and Burrow has a devastating knee injury. And the narrative automatically becomes the Bengals are going to ruin Joe Burrow. The Bengals cannot protect Joe Burrow. No wonder Burrow didn't want to go to Cincinnati. All these different things, that they, they came back to light after Burrow got hurt. 
And I remember sitting there watching Joe Burrow get carted off the field thinking, why do I do this to myself? Why do I root for the Cincinnati Bengals? Why is this team that has done nothing but cause me heartache and pain take up so much time, effort, and energy in my life? I worked for them for four years. They were 1943-1 during my time there. The year before I got there, they went to the playoffs. The year after I got there, the year after I left there, this year, they go to the playoffs. Maybe I was the problem. But either way, I thought as, as I watched Joe Burrow get carted off, why do I do this? What is the point? Why can't we ever just have something nice? And I was extremely impressed by Joe Burrow. Extremely impressed in his first season. Only played 10 games, but I thought, man, this dude's good. All that goes crashing down when you don't know if the guy's going to be able to walk for another six months. Has the, the surgery in early December. On Christmas Day of 2020, Joe Burrow posts a video and he's walking. Everyone's fired up. No one, though, knows if he'll be able to play. The offseason rolls around and somehow Joe Burrow is participating in minicamp. I mean, he looked pretty good. Okay, that's cool. It's a good sign. Training camp rolls around, and, well, holy cow, Joe Burrow's been cleared for, for training camp? It's like July. Sure enough, he was. Sure enough, he had some rust to knock off, some demons to get over. The Bengals' defense was also vastly improved because of the effort they spent signing free agents. So the offense was struggling. People were like, okay, well, they're going to struggle. Burrow's just trying to get his legs underneath him again. And struggle they did. But week one rolls around against the Minnesota Vikings at Paul Brown Stadium with new uniforms, a ring of honor announced, an entirely new game day experience at Paul Brown Stadium, and the Bengals beat the Minnesota Vikings. Burrow plays well, has a game-winning drive. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, the Bengals have an opportunity. Now, there were, there were some growing pains for him this season. The Chicago Bears game, he was awful, threw three interceptions on three straight passes. Didn't do much for the Bengals that day. But he was still trying to get his, his legs underneath him. And in the offseason, the, the talk was the Bengals' win-loss total was set at 6.5, the over-under at 6.5. And I work on a station, ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati, and Mo Egger, who has been on this show, Tony Pike, who has been on this show, both confidently said, take the over on six and a half. And I couldn't figure out why. What about this team suggests, from what you've seen over the last two years, that they are a team that is better than six and a half wins? I wanted to see it. I, would, I said I would believe it when I'd see it. And here I am believing. This team is 9-6. and six. They're good. They've been healthy. They've stayed away from COVID. Knock on wood, all those things. But the Bengals have been good. They had a stinker against the New York Jets. They had a stinker against the, the, the Chicago Bears. But they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers twice, they beat the Baltimore Ravens twice, and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been to the Super Bowl the last two years and are the number two seed currently in the AFC 
who had come into Paul Brown Stadium with the best quarterback on the planet, Patrick Mahomes, and had won eight straight games before Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase eviscerated them, and the Bengals' defense did enough. And to think where this team has come and and the attacks that were on Zach Taylor and the way that he approached things from former players like Carlos Dunlap, who um, just gave up and quit on his team and, and provided very little effort who talked poorly about Zach Taylor, for them to go and and to do all those things, and then all of the sudden, for the game to be, for, for this team to be where they're at now, it just really makes you feel good about those guys. It makes you feel happy for those guys who stuck with it. Joe Burrow, in his second season, has already set the Bengals' franchise record for touchdown passes in the season. He's already set the Bengals franchise record for touchdown or for passing yards in a season. Jamar Chase is rewriting the Bengals record books as a wide receiver left and right. After a months-long off-season debate about whether or not they should draft a wide receiver or whether or not they should draft an offensive lineman. Jamar Chase has completely changed this offense. And the struggles early on in the season, the Bengals, Zach Taylor was the the recipient of a lot of criticism for the way he called plays. He's responded. He's been aggressive. He's improved as a play caller. I think he's finally comfortable with Joe Burrow. I think he was protecting Joe Burrow. And for this team to do what they did on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs, go down 14 early and fight and scratch and claw their way back, is incredible. And yet there's still part of me as a Cincinnati sports fan that wonders how could it go wrong, right? When will it go wrong? Is somebody going to get COVID right before the playoffs? Is somebody going to play in this meaningless game against Cleveland this week, tear their ACL, and be done for the season? How can this possibly happen that the Bengals have to screw this up? I don't know. I honest to God, I don't know. I'm nervous to even mention the fact that the number 34 has been brought up over and over again. The Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs 34-31. to Joe Burrow breaks the Bengals' passing touchdown record by throwing his 34th touchdown pass. That number has come up multiple times. Some saying it's broken. I'm never going to say that. I don't know if I'm ever going to say that. I have to believe it. That's not going to happen until they win the Super Bowl. But... Of all the teams that I have seen go to the playoffs in my lifetime, 2005, 2009, 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, and now this team, I don't feel I feel more confident in this Bengals team than I ever have the other ones because of the play caller. And the play caller being Joe Burrow, I should say. The, the man, the, the quarterback. And the relationship he has right now with Zach Taylor as the play caller. The things you're seeing from Jamar Chase, the things you're seeing from T. Higgins, from Tyler Boyd, you can't play man coverage. You can't play zone coverage. Joe Mixon has 1,200 yards rushing, by the way. Their offensive line has not been perfect, but they've been better. Their defense has not been the best defense in the NFL, but it's not been the worst defense in the NFL. Before the season, I said, just get off the field enough to give Joe Burrow opportunities. And that's exactly what they've done. 
they've given themselves a chance. It is a very, very exciting time to be a Bengals fan. The national media, and in, in, in this city we care about that a lot for some reason. I have been sitting here watching NFL Network and ESPN. I have them up on two TVs while I work all day, every day. And there has been more Bengals coverage over the last two weeks nonstop on those two networks, ESPN and NFL Network, than there probably has been in the last 15 years. And I know because I watch these networks every day. I'm excited, man. Not only for this season, and because, you know, I, I said before the season, I, I just want to see, I want to see them, you know, win six games. Let me see it first. So now they've already exceeded my expectations so much further. They're 10 and six. They're going to the playoffs. They won the AFC North. They're going to have a home playoff game. So for, for them to be doing that, to me, they're playing with house money, right? Like I'm already extremely happy about the direction of this team. They've got a ton of money in, in cap space. They have been aggressive in free agency the last two seasons. They have the opportunity. They, they've locked down Sam Hubbard. They've locked down Tyler Boyd. They've locked down Jamar Chase, obviously, moving forward. T. Higgins moving forward. Joe Mixon is signed to a long-term contract. Trey Hendrickson is signed to a long-term contract. DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard. You've got an opportunity to re-sign Jesse Bates. They went out in the offseason, by the way, and signed Chitabe Awuzie, who is the number one rated cornerback in the AFC, according to Pro Football Focus. In case you were wondering about Joe Burrow, he's the number one rated quarterback in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. He is a legitimate MVP candidate. He's probably going to be the NFL's comeback player of the year. This is a, a moment in time right now for this franchise in which the excitement has never been higher. This is a legitimate opportunity to get this franchise moving again. We talk about windows. We talk about rookie quarterback windows. Everybody has to have a window, right? Before the quarterback has to has to get paid, in which that's your time to win a Super Bowl. The Seahawks did it with Russell Wilson. They haven't been back since. The Browns had their opportunity last year. Baker Mayfield. They win a playoff game in Pittsburgh. They have a failure of a season this year. Baker Mayfield's going to be coming up on a contract this offseason. He's going to want a lot of money. The Browns now have to reset. Baltimore can't seem to figure it out. They have a contract coming up with Lamar Jackson, by the way. The Kansas City Chiefs went to two, two, to two Super Bowls. They got one out of Patrick Mahomes. Then they gave him a massive contract. You see what I'm saying? You see how this works? So this is the time the Bengals have to be aggressive, and, and that's what I want to see from them moving into the offseason. And I'm not you know, just writing this season off because what they've done is very special and it deserves credit. But for this, this to continue, to continue to take this team where it's supposed to be, um, you have to continue to be aggressive in the offseason. You can't settle at any point. And there are reports that, that Mike Brown was emotional after the Bengals win to clinch the playoffs. And, you know, that that just – Mike Brown's a good dude. He's a good dude. And for, for him to feel that gives me a lot of hope about where this franchise is, is moving in the future. And I want to leave you with 
a piece of audio. This was tweeted out by Ben Baby, and it, the audio was put together by the Bengals and by Brandon Seho. And, you know, Zach Taylor took a lot of criticism over his first two years, and he was 4-24-1. And, and he said this in 2020 about the way he was feeling then. And at the end of the clip, you'll hear him from Sunday getting emotional after the Bengals win uh, over the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Zach Taylor in 2020, followed by Zach Taylor this past Sunday. We believe in what we're doing. I think that's the most important thing. And that may be hard for people to believe, given our track record of wins and losses. Um, but there will be unbelievable days ahead. And and I'll remember these days, you know, and I think uh, a lot of people will forget them when, when we're playing for championships and playing for division titles. And you're seeing great things on the field from our guys. But um, I know we just got to weather the storm and get through it and um, look forward to the great days ahead. You know, just really proud. Well, I think you guys have just sat in here and seen what we've been through, you know. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. Sorry if I hurt your uh, your eardrums there with that, but you could see the emotion. You could hear the emotion coming off of, of Zach Taylor about this entire situation. And I think a lot of Bengals fans feel the same way because when your team sucks, it sucks. It really, truly sucks. The Bengals might not suck. They may not be good, but they're better. And the future of this organization is extremely, extremely bright. I'm fired up. I can't wait for the playoffs. Hope I can get back into a more normal routine with all of you creating this podcast day in and day out. So hopefully that can continue to happen uh, this week, next week, moving on into the offseason. There's a lot to talk about. College football playoff. LOL. Uh, a whole lot, a whole lot to talk about. All that and more continuing to come on the Ball Don't Lie podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Remember that um, Ball Don't Lie. And as always, have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks.